welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Well, wasn't last Sunday just a wonderful time together? Um, Just seeing people get baptised, and uh, it was a really, really good Sunday. It was fantastic. Thanks to all the crew that helped put that on, and we've got a few plumbers, namely our mate Luke here, and uh, Cole, who's not here this week, Um, but um, just helped run all the... The the first time we did the baptism, we bought a spa the week of the the thing, because that's what churches do. Um, They dunk people in spas, um, but we could only... It was a disaster, to be honest with you. It was like freezing cold and all those sorts of things. This can go down a bit more, please. Um, And uh, but Luke, yeah, we're calling the calling the um, professionals. Yeah, someone said real men. Thank you. (laughs) If the shoe fits, wear it. Um, And we had hot water. It was it was. I didn't want to get out, to be honest. Oh, it's good. It's good. Well, let's pray and we're going to get into it. We're in a series on stewardship at the moment. Um, Maybe if you're visiting here today, don't get scared. Um, It's not that sort of stewardship series. Um, It's about your life. It's about everything pertaining to our lives and um, wanting to honour God. So uh, let's pray. We're going to get into it. You ready for it? Wonderful, Jesus. We just thank you. We thank you that you're here by the Holy Spirit. And we just give you all the glory. We thank you for your presence and your uh, power in that time of worship. And Father, I'm just believing today that there would just be an outpouring of your spirit even further. I pray that you would awaken and revive hearts that are hard. I pray, Father, today that we would just really, really engage. We don't want to just sit through another Sunday for the sake of it. We're here because there's a hunger inside of us to be more like you. And so, Father, we purpose in our heart to really engage with your word today. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. I pray that you would, uh, that there would be alignment, that the Holy Spirit, the, the spiritual chiropractor would come and bring alignment to us in areas that we're out of whack. I pray that there would just be conviction. I pray that there'd be encouragement. I pray, Holy Spirit, that there would be miracle signs and wonders. You said that that would follow the preaching of the good news of Jesus. And so, Father, we just uh, thank you that in this atmosphere today, your power is going to be released. Power to change us, power to move us forward, and power to move us into the image of Jesus. And so we thank you for what you're doing and who who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. In fact, can we do one other thing? Is that all right? Can we just do one other thing before we get to the Word? I just feel that we should pray for Encompass Church this morning, which is a church up the road. Can we do that? Let's stand to our feet and let's just, I don't know why. It's good. I was talking to Julie about them this morning and met the pastors up there. 
Um, but I just think we should just pray. It's the kingdom of God. It's not the empire of the church. Amen. And so we just believe, come on, let's just begin to pray. Let's just begin to declare blessing. Father, we just thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're up to at the church up the road. And we give you all the glory and the honor. I pray today in the name of Jesus that they would be so blessed, that they would just be overwhelmed with blessing this week. We pray, Father, for every need that they might have around their human resources. God, that you would send people. Father, even if you need to send people from this very own congregation, I just pray that your will would be done. I pray that your kingdom would be established and that you would move and impact the community through that church community in the name of Jesus. Lord, every financial resource that they might need, we just ask you, Lord, miraculously to meet every need that they have. Lord, we pray over the leaders, the pastors, Lord, and we just declare blessing. Let this be a season of encounter. Let this be a season of favour. In fact, where there's been an assignment in at a council level, I just break the power of that, uh, that demonic assignment against that church in the name of Jesus. And we declare favour with council. We declare favour with government. We declare declare favour with neighbours, we declare expansion over them and we just thank you Holy Spirit for who they are and what they're doing in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right, let's get into the Word. Praise God. So good. Well, we've been talking about stewardship today. Just turn to your neighbour and say 168. 168. Today, I want to talk to you about the stewardship of your time. 168 is the number of hours that you and I have in the week. And like, it would be good, although we're talking about stewardship, and we're talking about time today, but I think it's really important that on a regular basis, we do an audit, a self-audit, allow the Holy Spirit, the senior accountant of our time to come and look over our time and what it looks like and where it's going and allow, entertain, entertain, have some time, have some real life conversation with God around what your time looks like. They say you can tell your priorities by looking at, what you do with your time. Next week, I want to give you the warning, just straight up, up front. Next Sunday, we are going, because you might not want to come, that's why I want to give you the warning. <laughs> but next week, we are going to talk specifically about finances and stewarding our finances. We are going to talk about tithing. We're going to talk about generosity. We're going to be talking about money, unashamedly talking about these things. We don't do offering talks in this church. We don't want you to give out of compulsion. We want you to give out of conviction. But we do want to make sure that we go out of our way and teach you the Bible and teach you what the Bible says, or at least as we humbly approach it from flawed human listeners and flawed human uh, understanding. And I want to say that because it's really important because I want, I want to say that because we can coexist in the same environment without some of these, the minutiae of our beliefs being aligned. That's okay. So you might believe that 
You might not believe in tithing. That's okay. <laughs> doesn't cancel it. Can't cancel, it doesn't cancel relationship. We're mature. We're old. It's okay to have different opinions on different things. Someone said amen. That was a poor amen. <laughs> but the truth is you've been indoctrinated by religion. Can we just go there this morning? That has said that we've got to align on every little, little, little bit. Now it's important to align on a lot. If you don't align on a lot, then let me humbly say to you today that this is probably not the church family that you're looking for. Alignment is important. I'm just saying that some things around alignment are less important than we think. So next week, I'm going to present our church's view on what we believe about tithing. I believe in tithing. I want to say this from the onset. I'm getting, I'm getting into next week, but I do want you to come. That's why I'm saying this. Um, I want to give my, my view, biblical view on tithing. And I also want to, um, as a disclaimer, say that tithing is not an issue of heaven or hell. I don't tithe. Tithing doesn't make you right with Jesus. Amen. Remember, it's not about works. Salvation is by grace through faith. Someone said? Amen. All the non-tithers said? Amen. <laughs> that was a good pastor's joke right there. Got her, yes. She won't be back next week, but it was amazing. Oh, sorry. Whoever said amen, I got you in hook, line, and sink. It was brilliant. Oh, your coffee price just went up as well. Um, <laughs> uh, awesome. So uh, let's just have a, have a really brief recap, and then I want to talk to you about the stewardship of your time. It's a, an Im important thing. In fact, I would suggest to you that understanding and placing value, they all have their own place, but having a value and stewarding your time is arguably more important than stewarding your money. Both and, but I want you to understand the value and the importance of stewarding time. The meaning of stewardship, just as a quick recap, the New Testament word for stewardship is the word oikonomia, which we derive the word, we get the word economy from, right? And this word simply means a management, the management of a household. And it refers to an entrusted to uh, the responsibility of the house that is entrusted to a manager. A steward acts as an administrator of the affairs and possessions of another. He is fully accountable or she is fully accountable to his or her master and may act justly like when you think about it like Joseph who became Potiphar's steward in Genesis chapter 39, or unjustly or unfaithfully, you could be an unfaithful steward, uh, just like Jesus told the story of the uh, parable of the good steward in Luke chapter 16. But as Christians, we've got to understand that we have been entrusted. In fact, when we go right back to the very creation of mankind, we see that God created us in the image and the likeness, in his image and likeness. And Genesis chapter 1 verses 26, an important pivotal point 
of Scripture if you're to understand who you are and what your assignment is on this planet is found at the very beginning of the human race. We are made in the image of God and the Bible tells us that we were given dominion. We were given authority over the earth. And when we were given dominion and authority over the earth to be fruitful and to multiply, to tend the ground, we were given the opportunity to manage and to be stewards of this earth realm. We are now the stewards of this space. And so stewardship is absolutely vital. The things that we call our own are not really ours, but they're God's. We have no possessions. We have uh, even ourselves, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 to 20 and 1 Corinthians 3, 23. It says, or do you not know that even your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own. And so we've spoken about the meaning of stewardship. I want to briefly touch on the responsibility of stewardship. According to Scripture, we're accountable for everything. Everyone say everything. We're accountable for everything, whether we have little. So you might be, you might be thinking, um, who is responsible? Like a, maybe the billionaire is more responsible than the person that just has a little, but the truth is the biblical framework for stewardship is that everything belongs to God. And that according to Scripture, we're accountable to God for everything. Whether you have much or little, our key responsibility as His stewards remains the same. And that responsibility or the outcome around our stewardship is a word called faithfulness. Faithfulness. It's being faithful with what we have. Let's keep going. So we've spoken about the responsibility of stewardship. I want to briefly touch on now the scope. I'm just trying to set this up so that we can have a a bit of a foundation as we talk about time. The scope of stewardship. Stewardship is faithfully using whatever God gives us. Did you hear that? You might want to write that down. Stewardship is faithfully using what God gives us. Or what does God give us? He gives us opportunities interests, skills, employment, family, talents. He gives us spiritual gifts. Are you faithfully stewarding the spiritual gifts that are in your life? Are you faithfully stewarding the access that Jesus purchased with the shedding of his own blood? Are you stewarding that access you have to the Father now? Stewardship. Uh, We are are called to be faithful stewards of land, land, of money, of everything, everything. The scope of stewardship touches everything. And why are we wanting to do this? Our motivation must be for the glory of God. Amen? Stick with me this morning. We're going somewhere. I know this is a bit, I'm not doing a dance or anything, but just stay with me. We also understand that the theme of stewardship, management, looking after faithfully God's things that he's given us, starts in Genesis, as we've already mentioned, but it also, the theme of stewardship is right throughout the Bible. Right the way through to Revelations chapter 21, where God's talking about the new heaven and the new earth. Stewards. We are, as God's children, 
our stewards of the new creation. I also think it's important for us to mention before we really zoom in on this idea of stewarding our time, 168 hours a week, I think it's important that we, un, that we talk about stewardship as a lifestyle, the lifestyle of stewardship. It, if, uh, if biblical stewardship involves every area of our life, it requires a commitment. There's the word that makes this Presbyterian church even quieter. Commitment. 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 Commitments become one of those kind of polarizing words. Polarizing in the sense of when we look at culture and society, even around marriage and the value of what marriage is, and I don't want to get into a debate about marriage right now, except to say the simple facts are that the value of marriage, in my personal opinion, has declined. And you thought it was just an assignment or an attack on the concept of biblical marriage that we had when we had all the vote and everything. It was so much more than that. It was actually about watering down our commitment. Commitment means that when you get married, you might go through tough times, but you've made a covenant commitment. And so when it comes to stewardship of whatever you have in your life, it requires commitment. It requires your time. If you have a gift, and we just, just to use this as a practical illustration, but I think it applies right across, uh, right across society, right into our own spiritual lives. But if you look at anyone that's at the top of their game, whether they're an athlete, whether they're a musician, whether they're in business, whatever, they, they will tell you that there was a commitment required to get from where they started to the end of that journey. You ask an Olympian, and they'll, a swimmer, and they'll tell you that they were up five, six mornings a week before the sun had even come up. Training, 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 training in that pool, out of that pool. Their life revolved around what they were committed to. And I really believe that we need to adjust our thinking and invite the Holy Spirit into that space around what our commitment looks like. Are you with me today? Because in a moment, I'm gonna give you some points and we're gonna read some scriptures about the stewardship of your time from a biblical perspective. But if you cannot put to bed right here and now your commitment to Jesus, you can have all the scriptures, you can raise all the hands that you want, all the you can be in church 95 million times a week, whatever, you can do all that. But if your heart is not committed, you might look committed, but if your heart is not committed, this is so much more than um, this is so much more than just your attendance. This is God is not as interested as interested in the practical commitment than He is the heart commitment. I don't have time to read it this morning, but it's just come to me now. One of the scriptures that, are, that came to me earlier this week as I was reading is 2 Chronicles chapter 25 and verse number two. 
right? Second Chronicles 25 verse 2. I'm paraphrasing now. It's talking about some king. I can't, can't remember his name. It started with an A and ended with an H um, probably. Um, but this king, the Bible says that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Right? But he did not have a loyal heart. He did what was right. How is that even possible? He did what was right in the sight. How is it possible? Because you can be committed out here and you and I know lots of people, maybe you're one of them and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now, where you do this part really well, but your heart is disengaged. You know, in our church culture, worship should never be driven by the front. It should never be like, do this, do that, lift, jump higher, lift your hands. We, that what should happen is there should be a connection of a hunger here. We, we aren't really, we, we, traditionally you call it like worship leading, but we're not really worship leading. That's not what we do in this church. We are the hosts of worship. And what are we hosting? We're hosting an atmosphere and an environment so that your hunger and your praise and your worship can be lifted up to him. It should never be like, well, the band was good this morning, so the worship was great. Some of our best worship times have been where we've just been in a foyer, we've just been in some town hall, we've just been somewhere, and it's just been some guy in a box and an acoustic guitar or something like that. And why? Because it's, it's hunger. I'm saying all this to come back to the point that you've got to steward not just what happens out here. This is important. This is a big part. But more importantly, can you please engage in the context of your heart? It's a lifestyle. And we must be committed to Him. We must surrender our will. You'll never surrender or submit your time to Him if your will is more important than His will. The old school preachers used to say something along the lines of like, it's not thy will, it's my will. And we've got to be a people that lay down my will and say, God, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Let's zoom in, stewardship of time. I'm going to give you these five points. You're very quiet. I'm going to give you these five points. And then, um, and then we'll unpack them a little bit later, but write these down. Number one, so we're talk, talking about a biblical perspective on, on your time. And these are several things that it involves. Number one, life is brief. Life is brief or life is short and you cannot be presumptuous about the future. Number one, life is short. The future is not guaranteed. Write that down. Life is short. The future is not guaranteed. Number two, the eternal gives meaning to the temporal. The eternal gives meaning to the temporal. Number three, am I going too fast? Number one, life is short. 
The future is not guaranteed. Number two, the eternal gives meaning to the temporal. I always say that word weird, temporal. Number three, our time is owned by God. Our time is owned by God. Number four, We must be sensitive to opportunities so that we can make the most of them. Make the most of opportunities. Make the most of opportunities. And time equals priorities. That's number five. Time equals priorities. Sorry, I didn't do a Danny Guglamucci on you, so they don't all start with the letter P or C. So that's why you're struggling. 168 hours in the week. If I were to do an audit of your life, I'm not going to. You're safe. It's all good. Please don't do one of mine either. Apple on our devices, whenever you get your little device report, who gets that? Who's turned that off? Because they're like the shame of it all. But you get a, like a, a weekly update of, of what, how much time you've been on your screen and how much you've been on this and how much has gone to entertainment, how much has gone to social media, how much has gone to this and to that. And I think um, I do want this, this message today to be really challenging. So I'm going to say things how they come. And if you need to unpack them with me later on, because I realise I said a few things a couple of weeks ago that might have been like a little bit crazy. Like one of the things I said that um, at times, maybe I didn't use the word at times, but I, I said uh, something along the lines of our kids' spirituality reflects ours. And so if they're backslidden, maybe it's a connection to us being backslidden. And I do want to clarify that statement to say that that is not a blanket statement over every situation. Adults are adults, kids people make their own decisions, I'm just saying, but I'm also wanting to put the challenge out there to us as parents that you are the primary person that is responsible for the discipleship of your child, for your teenager, for whoever they are. And so it is, uh, I wanted to make sure you hear my heart in that. It's not a judgment over your parenting. Life is life. People make mistakes. We're going to believe that they're each one of your children are going to come back to God if they're away from him right now. But the truth is, is that often, often, often we've uh, delegated the discipleship of our children to church programs. And in this day and age where the world and their life is saturated by content every single day, every single day, doesn't matter how old they are, and we have this in our, we've got from 15 years old to four years old. We understand how, um, how, how, how powerful the pull and the desire is for all forms of media. Some of the media is good. A lot of the media is not. We get that. I'm not advocating one way or the other. I'm just helping us to understand that we have a responsibility for our own children. 
We also have a responsibility for our own lives and for what our time is going into. And so that little audit, my, my hope at the end of this message, the altar call at the end of this message is you getting some alone time with the Holy Ghost and asking Him and sitting with the presence of Jesus, the person of the Holy Spirit and saying, hey, can we talk about my priorities and my time? Can we talk about the 168 hours of the week that I have? Can we talk about what they go to? I pray that when that little screen comes up, if you've got an iPhone that's got the weekly report that comes out, my prayer is that you would set a goal that would be like, I've spent more time with Jesus this week than I have with Facebook. I've spent more time with Jesus this week than I have on Netflix or some other social media. My prayer is that you would have a moment with God where you would say, God, what do you want to do with me? And how do you, how is it going to reflect? How is it going to give glory to you in how I use my time? Time is important. Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 15 and 16 says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, making the most, but, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. The writer of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, what equals wisdom is you making the most of your time. I'm not, please hear my heart, this isn't a legalistic church. We're not saying delete your subscriptions. We're just asking a really specific question around as a follower of Jesus, how is that reflected in what you do with your time? Psalms chapter 90 verse 12 also says, um, Moses prayed this, he said, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. So there's this theme in the Bible, there's this theme in the Bible that's helping us to connect what it is to be wise. A sign of what it is to be wise is connected to the fruit or to how we use our time. Wisdom isn't about being high in thought and philosophical and saying things in a nice way or being smart. How do you use your time? Let's break down these points on uh, this perspective, a biblical perspective on time. Life short, the future is not guaranteed. James chapter 4, 13 and 15, I believe it should be up on the screen says this, come now, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will, go, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Underline that. Whereas you will not know what, happen, what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? Just, just imagine, like, imagine this speaking to you, right? Get out of church land for a moment and Paul is writing to you right now, or James, sorry, is writing to you. What, for what 
is your life. It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this and that. Life is brief. Life is short. The future is not guaranteed. What are you doing? If life's so short, what are you doing with your life? This is so important. This has such a big impact, such a massive impact on everyone. When you get this truth into you, life is short. Life is short. Life is short. I want to keep saying it in different ways with different tonal inflection so that you might get it. Life is short. It comes and goes. Yesterday will never be relived. Today will never be relived. Do you understand when this truth gets in your heart, the impact that this will have on your life? Do you understand when you get this truth in your life, the impact this will have on what you do with your time? Life is short. The impact that this will have on relationships is phenomenal. If you're estranged from family members and you have the ability to step into that relationship with humility, even if you, were, you weren't the wrong person, even if they did something wrong, even if they hurt you, would you have the audacity like Jesus did? Would you have the humility like Jesus did? Would you have the courage like Jesus did to come from heaven and while we were still sinners become sin? I'm not saying you wash over everything like nothing happened, but I'm saying if it's in your, within your power and there is the possibility of a healthy outcome at the end of it, Important, I'm not asking you to get back into an abusive situation. But if life is short and you have some power in your ability to forgive and to restore and to reconcile, life is short. A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity. I haven't seen my dad. I speak to him all the time. He's a Christian. He, 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 um, uh, I've had the, we, his four kids, I've got two older sisters and a younger brother. We had the opportunity to, my parents separated when I was about two years old. He's retired in Bali and this random opportunity came out. It was inconvenient, especially for my wife who had to stay home with our four kids. But we went. My younger brother hasn't seen my dad for over 20 years. My, I haven't seen him for 10 Life is short. I had the opportunity to do it. Did I have, did it, uh, did it cost money? Absolutely. Was it worth it? In the long term, I'm going to look back on it and I'm going to go, yeah, absolutely. Life is brief. The future is not guaranteed. Come on, young person. Come on, whoever you are, there is an urgency in the realm of the spirit that God is trying to get into your heart today. Life is short. 
pursue career, go for studies, do all those sorts of things, but maximise your today for the glory of God. Maximise your moment for the glory of God. Stop thinking one day when this happens, then I'll do this, then I'll do that. That moment never comes. Take it from the people with a bit of grey in their hair. They will tell you that that moment never comes. You've got to seize the moment right here, right now. And you've got to do it with God's glory in your heart and mind and motive. The type of people that God is raising up in this time are those that manage and steward time well and those that say, you know what, God, I'm just prepared to do whatever needs to be done for you to receive glory. Amen. Life is short. It's not, the future's not guaranteed. I've done a lot of funerals over my time as a pastor. I've buried the very old, had the privilege of seeing a man come to Christ, your father actually, in his late 90s. I've buried babies this year. I've buried babies that have died in the womb. Life is short. And I'm not saying that to try and gauge emotion, emotion today. I'm trying to say that because that is the stark reality of this life we live while we're still under the curse of death. Life is short. And so I pray that this just opens up a door in your heart and your mind to start thinking about, well, how is my life going to matter? What am I going to sow in with my time and how is it going to matter? Number two, life The eternal gives meaning to the temporal. Let's just read these scriptures. Romans chapter 13 says, And do this knowing the time, that now it's high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. At night, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision, excuse me, for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Second Corinthians chapter 4, 16 to 18. We're talking about the eternal and the temporal. Therefore, do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Outward man, the temporal man is perishing. Yet the inward man, the invisible man, is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction is but for a moment, which is working for a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temp temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. As we're talking about time today, I want you to ask this question. When you look at where your time goes, is it geared towards eternity or is it geared towards the earth? Is it geared towards building up treasures in heaven or is it geared towards building up treasures on earth? Is it geared to 
building Korea, and there's nothing, nothing wrong with those things on their own. But I'm wanting you to see today that there is a higher priority and a better way to live. And the Christ way of living is valuing the eternal over the temporary. And understanding that everything in the temporary is actually affected and comes out of the invisible. And as Christians, as some translations say, we're aliens. <laughs> That's a nice word, not like ET phone home. But we're foreigners. We're just passing through. This earth is not our home. God has a better, a different way for us to live, anchored in eternity. And so God is wanting us to understand that the eternal gives meaning to the temporal. So my prayer for you today is that when you look at your time and you look at your job, and Santa, you look at your job and you're like, all right, well, a lot of my time goes to this because that's my job. My prayer is that Santiago can anchor that to purpose. I'm not asking Santiago to go, all right, well, I've got to become a pastor now because they're the true spiritual people. That's, that's not true. That's a lie of religion. I'm asking Santiago, he does this, that's why I'm using as an illustration, to invite the Holy Spirit into his job and say, God, I want you to get glory out of this. My purpose is to glorify you and that's going to happen through my job. And so my, the thing I'm doing in the natural is actually having an amazing supernatural impact. It's having, and because it's connected to the supernatural, it's changing the world that I live in. So I'm, Santiago isn't now because he's going to work. He's not just going to work for the temporal things. The dollars, the cars, the rings, the bling, the Ferrari. Is that right? Now he's going to work with purpose in his heart. Now he's going to work saying, you know what, Holy Ghost, how can that person's mum is sick? How can you, would you open up an opportunity for me to pray for their mum? Are you with me? That person's addicted to that. Holy Spirit, would you open up a way for me to talk about the freedom that is found in only Jesus? And now all of a sudden, his whole life gets transformed, not from the outside in. It's not changed the outside. It's context of the inside comes under the lordship of Jesus. And when it's under the lordship of Jesus, everything that you give your time to becomes an opportunity to give worship back to God. I just felt myself preaching good then. Are you with me? few more scriptures, Psalms 31, we're going to finish. Psalms 31, our time is owned by God. But as for me, I trust in you, Lord. I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Did you hear the psalmist? Because he has a deep trust, like you will always, this is important, you will always put your time into worldly, carnal things. You will always, let me say it like this to, to all the church folk. You will always lean on your own understanding when you don't trust God. I'm preaching myself so happy today. You're quiet, but I'm having fun. It's all good. 
You will always lean on your own understanding. That, that whole thing is an issue of trust. And the psalmist says, my times, right? But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I will say, you're my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. In other words, I'm in a hole right now. Life isn't what I thought it would be. I'm a follower of the promises of God, but still trouble came. Because just, just to burst another religious bubble, when you come to Jesus, persecution doesn't stop. When you come to Jesus, pop, problems don't magically erase. Are you with me? When you come to Jesus, you have access through the finished work of Jesus to supernatural solutions whilst you're in those problems. For example, God has given you a key, right? If you are feeling the spirit of heaviness, a spirit of, if you're feeling oppression and weight on you and depression and all these sorts of things, God has given you a key. One of those spiritual keys is putting on the garment of praise, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Another key that God's given you is seeking professional help. But start with the spiritual key first and praise yourself out of that hole. It works. I'm telling you right now, God is there. Our time is owned by God. Our time, my times are in your hands. Calv, would you jump up, mate? Let's read Ecclesiastes 8.5. It says, He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. Colossians 4 verse 5 says, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside redeeming the time. And so to be good stewards of our time is to, un, is to be sensitive to different opportunities. Ecclesiastes is trying to help us to say that we need, and this is probably one of the most undervalued spiritual gifts in the church, is the gift of discernment. We need discernment. We need the spiritual gift of discernment. If you don't have it, just ask the Holy Spirit. He's a good Father. He'll give it to you. Lord, give us the gift. Lord, give me in my marriage. Give me the gift of discernment. In my leading of my children, Holy Spirit, give me the gift of discernment. Lord, in leading the church, give me the gift of discernment. Lord, in my workplace with that situation, give me the gift of discernment. God, with that opportunity that is before me, give me the gift of discernment. Are you with me? Sorry, I just had a prayer moment. Give me the gift of discernment. Because not every good thing, not every good opportunity is for this season. And you've got to have discernment. There are two ways discernment operates, by the way. There's probably more, but these are the things that are coming to my spirit right now. Number one, supernaturally, your personal encounter with God. <laughs> oh. <sighs> things happen on the inside. It's all good. Sorry, I get excited. 
I just have this vision of Peter getting out of the boat. And he discerned that it was the voice of Jesus saying, come. And he got out of what everyone thought was a stable, safe, the safest place in the storm and that environment was the boat, but not when you're hearing the voice of Jesus. And he discerned and he walked on that discernment. So it happens vertically, but it also happens horizontally. The Bible says that there is wisdom. The book of Psalms tells us that there is wisdom in the counsel of many. Any large life decision, can I encourage you, do not make it on your own. You should have a spiritual community that you're connected to, that you're having these big conversations with. Some churches call them and structure them as small groups. But even within the nucleus of those small groups within church life, you should actually have a handful of people. You have access to the eldership and the leadership of this church. We are available to you for wisdom and for input. Because there's wisdom in the counsel of many. Let's read these, this last part. Our time reflects our priorities. Luke chapter 12, verse 33. It says, do not lay up for yourself. Is that the right one? I think this is Matthew chapter 6, but anyway, that's good. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where both moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We skip down to verse number 33 of Matthew chapter 6. And the Gospel says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day. It's its own troubles. Man, it's my prayer today that even as we look at these Scriptures, I pray that these Scriptures would look right back at your heart, at my heart. And number five was connected to priorities. So as you today do have a conversation with the Holy Spirit and you look at your time, don't be religious about it. Well, I didn't pray, I didn't do this. God wants to do like, I explain it like this, okay? Alicia's not in the room right now. Doesn't mean my devotion and commitment to her is any less just because she's not in the room. It's here not here. This is where it starts. Here. What we must maintain is here. All they're maintaining out here in regards to our marriage, I'm not saying that's not important, but I'm just saying it's not important if this isn't right. We must prioritize the stewardship of our hearts before the Lord. 
Because what's going to get you and me to be good managers of our time for the glory of God is when our hearts are right before Him. Because you don't need to work. Listen, this is so important. You do not need, it's not hard to lay your life down for Him when your heart has already bowed before the throne. It's easy to give everything that you have away when you've already in your heart given it to the Lord. (laughs) It is easy to trust God with your tomorrow when you've completely surrendered in your life your entire future to Him. It is completely easy. It's basic. It's simple. It's 101. Tithing is not even, you're not thinking tithing. You're thinking everything. The New Testament model is, and the stewardship message is not one of give 10%. It's what are you doing with the 100%? And I believe the Lord is just leading us into a deeper revelation. Asking us this question, how am I, where's my heart? Let's stand. We're going to pray. Wonderful Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power in your word that it has the power to divide between spirit and flesh, bone and marrow, the thought, the very intent, the content of our heart. And Father, in this moment, we submit ourselves to you. We ask for you to change us, God. We're not trying to set out a... Um, we're, not, we're not giving like a plan of what people should do with their time. We're not set. This isn't a motivational talk around getting more, maximizing our time. This is a heart talk. This is an engagement. This is a spiritual talk. This is about us engaging, us doing business with you. And so Holy Spirit, I just pray. I pray that you'd come, you'd challenge and change every single heart. But Lord, let us just, not do it from that religious perspective where we try to change everything on the outside. But Father, we just surrender our hearts to You today and we do it in the name of Jesus. And may Your name be glorified and may You be blessed with our time. May You be blessed with our time. May You be blessed in our workplaces as we go about our lives, Father. May you be blessed. Have every part of our time, Father. Have our morning hours. They're yours, Lord. Come on, just take a moment and just surrender them to Him right now. Take the morning hours, Father. Take, take take, Take the afternoon, Father. It's yours. Take the nighttime, Father. It's yours. Lord, even in the night when I'm sleeping, Father, I I submit myself to dreams and visions, to encounters with you, Jesus. Lord, I just give you my time. I give you all that I am. And Lord, I do it in my heart. I give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you might want to talk more about this. It's a lot of wonderful people that are sitting near you and around you and have a chat with someone. How do you steward your time? What's, how do you glorify God with your time? What does that look like for you? Because this religion wants to tell you there's a formula, but the Holy Spirit wants you to keep leaning into this idea that it's actually a relationship. Amen.
And so we just pray that we bless. What we're going to do right now, I believe that there are people here today that you're away from God. And God's been speaking to your heart and you're going to recommit your life to Him or commit your life to Him for the first time. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. And so we're going to invite our wonderful prayer team, our staff and others just to come and stand up the front here. I want to invite you to come out of your seat. Come and find one of them. Let them know what you want prayer for. We'll stand with you and agree with you in prayer for that. You might just say, I'm away from God or I just need to recommit my life back to Him. And we want to pray with you. We want to stand with you. And that's going to be powerful. There are those here as well that you just feel like the Holy Spirit is just upping your notch of consecration to Him. That's what I'm getting in my spirit. He's just saying, come on, yeah, this was a word for you. I've already been speaking to you about it. I want you to just, just take that next step. And you're going to come as well and you're going to fill this altar and we're just going to worship and we're going to pray and uh, we're going to do that. So prayer team, staff, please come. Thank you so much for being at church today. Well, being the church today at our Sunday service. We love you. We're really looking forward to seeing you next week. Coffee's out there. Steward your caffeine intake. May God bless you. And come if you want prayer. Come on, we want to stand with you and pray with you today. God bless you.